It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. Let's get this show on the road, shall we? Welcome to Market Radio. I am, of course, your boy, Dark Fox. Hold on. Everything's all fucked up week to week. I don't know what. Maybe the kids are in here screwing with my setup. Who knows? All right. Like I said, welcome to Market Radio. This is episode, what are we at, 94? Holy shit. 94. God. I've accomplished nothing. June 30th, 1997 is the show this week. MGM Grand Garden Arena out of Las Vegas, Nevada is the location. Hosted, of course, by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, Mike Tanay, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. This is Nitro's 55th win in a row with practically the same ratings as we have for the last two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Nitro scores a 3.3 to Raw's 2.5. Raw and Nitro slowly claw their way up the ratings over the next week. A um, couple of months, actually. But... That big jump is on the horizon for Nitros, so uh, buckle in. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting once it actually hits, because it it pops pretty hard. All right, there are eight thousand two hundred thirty nine in attendance, with seventy two hundred fifty one paying a gate of one hundred and fifty six thousand one hundred eighty seven dollars to be there. Yes, if you're keeping score at home, this is another one of those things where the MGM Grand paid them a hundred grand. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus, where the MGM Grand paid the money to be there, and I'm just having fun in my office as my fucking lights just turn on and off on their uh, by their own volition. Can I control them from my deal? Let's see if I can control them from my deal. You go, oh, you can't see it. Yeah, no, they're just turning on just for fun. Just, just you know, <laughs> fuck sakes. Get going, stupid app. Come on. Let's go. Refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Can we log on? No, can we see them? No? All right, cool. Well, <coughs> fail lights number one. Oh, Jesus. All right, let's just give me a second here. Jesus Christ. Fucking just turn on on their own. Perhaps my phone has been hacked. Who knows? I have to reset that fucker. All right, dark matches this week. Glacier feats Wrath by disqualification. Hector Garza, uh, Juventud Guerrera, and Silver King defeat La Parca, Psychosis, and Valana number four. Chris Jericho defeats six by disqualification for to defend the World Cruiserweight title. We're going to cover how that happened, like how Jericho had the World title, the World Cruiserweight title in the first place, but that comes on later in the show. Let's uh, let's kill the tunes here so that I can throw to my awesome, sweet, fun, your fired bullshit as we go through, shall we? Nitro kicks off with an in-ring promo from Gene with Flair and some hot broads walking down to the ring with a kilted-up mannequin. Now, the girls couldn't even get half of the mannequin into the ring without it losing its skirt, which is kind of amusing for 
what effectively look like ladies of the evening in Vegas. Uh, Gene plays it coy, like he doesn't know the girls, who the girls are, but then he calls them out by name as he positions them for the live shot for <laughs> for a better for a better angle from the hard cam. Uh, they put a girl backstage at a wrestling show, and everyone loses their fucking minds. And anyways, the one of the smaller tits was then offered a chance to speak into Gene's phallic, excuse me, microphone, and she throws Piper some shade. Now, for these rocket scientists, they were asked um, if. He's really the 60-minute man, referencing Flair, obviously. But the one whose brains are actually in her tits was confused by this and just went, what? The little titty girl pipes up and says that he's actually a 30-second man, which then Gene has to throw to Piper as the shade continues. I mean, let's just get this fucking train wreck, shall we? Uh, Over, I mean... Anything to get this thing over the finish line at this point. Flair then grabs the kilt, continues his promo uninterrupted by the bimbos until they start stripping Gene, who barely puts up a fight. Not that I can really blame him. Still, this was an absolute clusterfuck of a promo that even Larry wouldn't put over on commentary. This leads us into the first match of the night which has Chris Jericho doing his first title defense against Juventud Guerrera. Six minutes, 48 seconds for this match for the WCW Cruiserweight title. I give three and a half out of five. Now, Tony explains uh, that Jericho won the belt. Just a fucking one thing after the other this week. God damn it. All right. Tony explains how Jericho won the belt in the first place over the weekend. I was actually at a house show at the Forum in Inglewood, California on Saturday. I'm not sure why, since they had a dark match tonight. So clearly six is around. Uh, We're going to have to chalk this one up to some backstage politics. Hoovy mistimes a few things during this match, but the most obvious botch, of course, is that Jericho didn't even bother to try to cover it up as Hoovy comes off of the top rope springboard action and just basically biffs right over the fucking mat. Now, he could have easily slapped on the line tamer, which Hoovy could have escaped from, but instead he just stared at Hooventude for a couple of seconds. Larry buries Jericho quite a few times on his lackadaisical covers. Jericho, not my word, his word. Larry buries Jericho, sorry. Jericho and Guerrero perform a super Frankensteiner from the top rope, that, and Jericho follows that up with a lion tamer for the tap-out victory. The match starts, just like the show, botchy and slow, but the go-home, and one can hope this will only carry over, was well done and pulled the nose up on the rest of this thing. Post-match, there's an in-ring promo with Gene and Jericho. The promo starts well enough, though when Six comes out, there's a really shitty and obvious canned boo track that plays over the PA system, which becomes even more obvious as six climbs into the ring and people cheer are cheering for him in the background of the hard cam shot. Eventually they throw down and the fight continues during the break, but uh, Gene got out of the ring in probably the most awkward and fucked up way ever. He looked like he was trying to go between the bottom and middle rope, but the spring and the mat from the guys fighting launched him up. So he ended up sitting on the bottom rope with his legs sticking out of the ring. And then he, flipped over onto his little tummy tum and pushed himself back out to the floor. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen Gene do and right up there with the most awkward, With which, of course, with the exception of the girls from the uh, start of the night fucking promo. God, that was just awful. Anyways, Gene does a ringside promo here with Alex Wright. I have no idea why. Honestly, that promo fell flat. Even Larry tried to put it over, but nothing was working there. After there, after that, Eddie Guerrero defeats Dean Malenko in 3 minutes 59 seconds. I gave that 3.5 out of 5. Malenko is oiled up and no vest. So Eddie nails him from behind and beats him down to the ring as he puts over his heat and heel turn. Chavo comes down at one point during this match. Eddie shoves Malenko headfirst into Chavo and then gets in his frog splash for the victory. 
There's a rant promo after this with Gene and Mysterio. Rain comes out and claims that he's tired of getting pushed around by Nash and the Wolfpack. Nash comes out, challenges Mysterio to a match. This promo was supposed to be exciting. I like, Come on. It was supposed to be exciting. But Ray is still fucking garbage on the stick. So this one just fell flat. Bischoff comes out on his motorcycle to invite out Hogan. Larry shoots on a kid at ringside that has a Zabisco bite sign. Basically, Hogan recaps and promos everything going on at the NWO world tonight. Uh, just, uh, you know. It wasn't bad. It was just, thankfully, it was short. That's always good, right? I just, it could have been much worse than that. We're coming for you now. Okay. Steven Regal after this defa- defeats Hector Garza, 3 minutes 38 seconds uh, for the WCW World Television title. I gave that one 3.5 out of 5. Holy shit, the TV title's being defended on live television. <laughs> well, wonders never cease. Oh, fuck off, producer boy. Listen, if RVD could be the TV champ for that long and have that many decent matches every week in a larger, richer company than WCW was and continued to be at the time, they can do it too. Garza comes out in a spaghetti western theme song. It was absolutely awful. Uh, we recap his shitty corkscrew planche move, uh, which, of course, WCW puts over hard all the time, and it's just objectively awful. Regal comes out sans robe, but wearing a really ill-advised singlet. It looked about six sizes too small, but designed to hide his growing spare tire. No slam. It just was. Fairly simple match here. Didn't bury Garza, which is actually good for, um, well, kind of for both of them, really, at the end of the day. There's a Gene Rant promo after this with the Steiners. Gene starts off by claiming that sports bookies are eyeing up this match. Oh, okay. I mean, kayfabe, it's a good line. Uh, but in 1997, kayfabe was either dead or dying. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was 80s good but goofy for the current audience and really bad looking back in, re- back in retrospect. In 1997, this was not what you would want to say to a crowd, which is probably why the crowd kind of booed him a little bit here. Anyways, the Steiners claim that they deserve a title shot and they aren't going to leave until they get one. Now, the more porno soundly NWO theme starts off, the one they use mostly for buff and, and any tag team buff was in, which was ironic. But then the traditional NWO theme cues up and they both start playing over themselves. Let's, um, let's see if I can recreate this and get totally demonetized off of YouTube with this video. Okay. So this is the theme song that started it all off. All right. Let's, let's thank you producer. There we go. Thank you. I'll cue that up. All right. You see what I mean about porn? All right. Now, what ended up happening was they play this, and then this song starts playing. New, new, new world order. Okay, you're gonna stop it all. Thank you. Well, that was abrupt. Whew. Jesus, he went from blowing out my eardrums to uh, sort of hearing myself in my own head, which is traumatizing. All right, now, those are the links I go to for your fucking animals. You see what I mean? It was like ear pollution before there was such a thing. Now, um, 
like I said, the vicious and delicious theme starts off for a couple seconds. Then the other NWO theme is playing underneath it. That's what it sounded like in the audience. That's what it sounded like over the fucking show. It was difficult to listen to. Um, but thankfully they did turn that shit down. Unlike me, that just kills it. <laughs> All right. Now, Aside from WCW shit's produ- shitty production skills, uh, let's get back into this promo as pretty much the whole NWO comes out except Hogan and Bischoff. Hall pulls out a contract that the Steiners signed without even a thought. Larry and Tony shoot on that, of course. Gene then reviews the contract and the Steiners will need to face Chono and Muta before they get a shot at the Outsiders. I mean, as far as wrestling swerves go, there's nothing really that bad about this. It's a little dated in this day and age, even in 1997. Back from break, we get to see Jericho backstage being grilled by Mark Madden on the WCW Wrestling Show. And at this point in his career, Mark looked a lot like what wrestlers still think, to this day, wrestling podcasters look like. Um, And they're not usually wrong, I'll be honest. The dark circles, the 15 chins, clearly smelling of something Jericho doesn't want, his nose up his nose. Uh, Gene looks on judgmentally thinking, where have I gone wrong? I just, you know, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah! I just, producer boy doesn't like that. All right, well, there's a reason you're not on camera. Psychosis defeats Super Kahlo. That's right. I said it like they say it. You're welcome. <laughs> In two minutes and four... All right, whatever. Two minutes, 40 seconds. I gave it two out of five. Again, with the Super Kahlo shit, and uh, he doesn't even warrant an entrance this week for Nitro. Psychosis performs an amazing move here in the in the match to the outside that was supposed to be a miss as he came off of the top rope and just bashed into the barricade at ringside. Kayfabe. But then he doesn't sell it for shit. He gets back in the ring under his own power. Um, Kahlo gets into the ring. Ono grabs Kahlo's leg as Kahlo lifts him up to do a suplex. And then he lets go as Psychosis sort of lands on top of Kahlo and gets a clean three count. Kahlo then sells that he got robbed post-match. What a fucking clusterfuck. Jesus. Zero point zero. So how'd this get a two out of five? Well, this gets a two out of five because of what happens after the bell rings. I'm, I'm almost grading it on a curve here. Post-match, Callow starts beating down Psychosis, who gets saved by the chairman, Laparka, with another worked bamboo chair. And then it's Laparka stomping a mud hole in Callow until Juventud comes down to, them to make the save. The story here, obviously, is new heat between the Mexicans. They'll swap out Callow for the pay-per-view, who's going to get injured again. But this is all to set up a trios tag match at Bash of the Beach between Guerrera, Garza, Lizmark Jr., versus Laparca, Psychosis, and Villana number four. So it gets two points for that because I got to admit, I'm kind of looking forward to that match. I mean, it's almost 10 minutes of just straight up Lucha match it. Um, I just, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I want to see what happens. I want to see if they fucking wrestle in slow motion. Uh, let Come on, they're in WCW. They wrestle even slower than they do nowadays. What? All right, so the four horsemen, Chris Benoit, Ric Flair, and Steve Mongo McMichael defeat the NWO, Buff Bagwell, Masahiro Chono, and Scott Norton via disqualification in three minutes, 31 seconds. I gave this one three and a half out of five as well. So here's the thing. Chono comes down with a katana and starts waving it around like a fucking psycho. Now, before you get your panties in a knot, understand that this is a worked katana, meaning that the edge is not even really sharp at all. But still. It's fucking stupid. I mean, I get it. He's Japanese, but does he really need to come out with a fucking katana? I I just, why did you just have him come out flipping chopsticks around? Like, are you fucking kidding me? It doesn't even look cool. It just looks fucking gay. It's It's awful. It's just awful. Anyways, I noticed that Bagwell's 
pack is fucking huge and it just keeps getting ba- bigger. Uh, there's a phrase out there amongst lifters called the meat shield. And that's when your back essentially looks like a fucking shield. And God damn it, Bagwell's back is huge. And surprisingly enough, despite the fact that he's clearly on the gear, it's not covered in fucking back knee. Anyways, I just speaking about bodies here, I'm, I'm looking back at Benoit here and I still don't understand why he felt the need to be bigger. Uh, he looks fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, he cycled to get there, but he could have maintained that and saved himself some health problems later. I, I guess uh, everything in, in everything in retrospect, right? Mongo does a decent job of working the crowd, but is still a garbage, garbage fucking wrestler. I just... <laughs> Norton and Bagwell are holding his hand, but Chono has zero patience for getting stiffed by this monkey and definitely had no time for Pegasus Kid, a.k.a. Chris Benoit, who Chono viewed as a mid-carder back home, and while Chono was like a main eventer, he sold for him like he was a mid-carder in this match. Eventually, there's a schmoz, and Vincent comes in to interfere. Tony fucks up by claiming that this gives the NWO the win here, and then is eerily quiet when the announcer awards the match correctly to the horseman. Now, to be slightly fair to here to Shivani, with the booking effectively being done on the fly and rules being so fluid in WCW at this point, he could have actually been right. Uh, his rundown could very well have said that the, <laughs> that the NWO win this match. And the announcer botched it because the announcer maybe knows more about wrestling than anybody in the back or Tony Schiavone. At this point, though, it is fucking anyone's guess. Ah, and here we fucking go. Now we get to see another horribly produced Sullivan vignette. This one is building to the Bash at the Beach match. And this is the first time we're finding out that it is a career match where the loser will have to retire. Moving on, high voltage, Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage defeat Mortis and Wrath with James Vanderberg in one minute, 15 seconds. I gave this one straight to five. Again, not because of the quality of the wrestling, even though I like high voltage and Mortis and Wrath, but because this is all to build to the pay-per-view. So, <clears throat> I before we get into this match, I did see a meme this week that claimed that Canyon once dressed as Mortis for two house shows in Europe on a WWE tour. So out of curiosity, I went to go see if it was actually true because, you know, the internet being the internet. And holy fuck, it actually was. At a house show in Hamburg, Germany, and one in Leeds in the UK, he actually did dress as Mortis, come out with the green light gimmick the whole nine yards. He even did the fucking disrobing. I don't know who his valet was, but he even did the fucking disrobing. So props to the fucking meme for getting that one right. Now, this match, like I said, was effectively a promo for the Mortis Wrath versus Glacier Miller match at Bash of the Beach, and it was pretty effective as a promo, sort of as a match, kind of, if I'm being really generous here, which I am going to be with High Voltage, because again, I like them, I just feel bad that they are where they are when they are. Vanderberg, after this uh, whole schmoz ends, cuts a promo to the live cam, which was actually really good. Nice, clear audio. And no announcers were talking over it. Post-match, we go to the back lot where a white limo pulls up and then no one comes out. During the break, we get a Bash of the Beach vignette. um, And I would like to request to never see Bobby Heenan in fucking board shorts again. Would that be possible, please? Is Is that okay? There can be only one. Oh, it's to be wished for. All right, then it's time once again for that golden voice bastard, Lee Marshall, to call in via the 1-800-COLLECT-ROAD report to lay a deuce again this week. 
This time he was trying to find an album by the Blowhard Heenans and the Weasel Tones or something to that effect. They can't all be winners, uh, but we are on one hell of a fucking roll. The live cam finds Raven in the crowd as Tony and Mike speculate that he might be DDP's secret partner. After this, Jeff Jarrett uh, defeats Conan to retain the WCW United States Heavyweight title in 4 minutes 11 seconds. I gave that one 3 out of 5. Jolo Heisberg makes his entrance, and the only thing I understood was Westside. Anyways... He got his uh, skater Elard elbow pads on again, so you know this is going to be an actual match where he may just stiff Jared a couple times. The cameraman finds an underage role to focus on, which was creepy as fuck. Jared comes out without Deborah due to him being sort of on and off evicted from the Horseman. It was odd because what the promo that comes later on will under, you'll understand why I'm confused right now. The cameraman has to practically zoom into the nosebleed section to find a flat-chested MILF out in the crowd to awkwardly then shoot. And that was just, when I say awkward, I mean awkward. Anyways, uh, speaking of awkward, it was at this point that these two just stopped talking to each other and started botching all over the place for close to a minute. So there's that. Flair comes down to the ring and provides a distraction, allowing Jarrett to slap on the figure four. Conan reverses it. Jarrett reverses it back. Flair holds his hands this time, and Jarrett gets the uh, submission victory. Flair climbs into the ring to strut with Jarrett, while the rest of the horsemen and Deborah climb into the ring. Slowly afterwards, we get a slow-mo recap of the match, followed by an in-ring promo with Gene Oakland. Gene starts with Jarrett, who gushes about Flair for a little bit. Flair gets the stick, cuts Jarrett from the herd, meaning he's actually now... Thank you. Deborah then gets the stick, stick sucks the air out of the room. Jarrett gets back the stick again, puts pulls the nose up on this fucking promo. Benoit finishes everything off fairly strong as we dump in to break. Now, back from break, we get a recap of the two times Nash used Mysterio as a wrestling dummy. First, of course, as a lawn dart into the production trailer, and second, when he dropped him in the fucking uh, jackknife powerbomb in a match that he wasn't even in. This leading in, of course, to the match with Kevin Nash defeating Rey Mysterio Jr. in one minute, 48 seconds. I gave this one two and a half out of five. Now, Nash comes out to the cameraman <clears throat> finding a kid in the crowd holding a Razor Ramon action figure that Nash doesn't put over, but the cameraman really focuses in hard on it. Uh, Mysterio runs down to the ring and starts things off with a missile dropkick. He uh, gets the crowd into it right out of the right out of the gate. Uh, eventually, of course, Goliath gets his hands on poor little David's neck and the atomic drops him on his knee, then proceeds to dismantle Ray and pins him with one foot. Post-match, he gives Ray another jackknife powerbomb and then knocks out the ref. Conan comes out, so Nash performs yet another jackknife powerbomb. Conan comes down to the ring as Mike tells us that Conan and Ray have known each other forever and they train together in a wrestling school. Conan gets into the ring, Nash leaves, then Conan rips up Ray's knee, leaving the little man screaming in agony in the ring. This is to build to Ray and Conan facing each other at Road Wild coming up in August. This is the beginning of their feud. So at least we're building a little bit in advance. Enough in advance, at least, that they can make this emotionally impactful. 
Uh, back from break, Ray's knee has been immobilized and he's being gurneyed away as we get to Mike Tanay out in the audience trying to get a promo with Raven who no-sells and of course he gets no answer. After this, Diamond Dallas Page, Lex Luger and the Giant win versus the NWO, Kevin Nash, Randy Savage and Scott Hall. Now, that being said, they didn't really win. This one ended up being a no contest. There is a timestamp on it of four minutes, but the whole fucking schmoz went on for a lot longer than that. I'm not going to rate this even as a match. I'm going to rate this instead as a promo. Four out of five is a promo for sure. As a match, uh, I mean, even if there was a bell, which there wasn't, the announcers keep asking if there's a bell the whole fucking time that this match is going on. But it was just a, uh, it was just a clusterfuck of no match going on, right? Which is fine. The NWO comes down to the ringside. Tanae joins the announced position and his mic is dead. So instead we go to break. So uh, presumably so we can fix his microphone, but I don't really know why we go to break because during the break we get NWO pin set promo where you can buy that for 15 bucks. And again, I'd mock it if there wasn't a fucking pin collection on my wall. Uh, back from break, DDP Luger and the Giant come down to the ringside. Then we go to break yet again. I uh, just, Wow. <laughs> Over and over we go. Back from break, we're told the NWO have been holding the ring hostage, but since we're live again, Luger and Hall square off. DDP pulls Savage out of the ring. Giant gets into the ring and starts working over Nash, and then the rules reverse to work the crowd a little bit more. Tanay essentially tells us this has become a Texas Tornado match, which is a bit of a reach since, again, no one's heard a bell. Giant gets a huge pop for headbutting Hall and Nash together. Hogan makes his way down to the ring, nails Giant with a title belt who has now been dumped to the outside. DDP nails Savage with a diamond cutter in the ring as Hall and Hogan work over Giant and Luger outside of the ring with a title belt. The rest of the NWO come down and fans start chanting that we want Sting. DDP is left in the ring to get worked over by Hall, Nash, and Savage. Sting appears in the crowd, but it, I say Sting because it's a guy wearing a Karen wig. And then real Sting does drop from the ceiling, clears the ring of the NWO. Kurt Hennig uh, makes his way down to the ring. You may know him as Mr. Perfect. He is indeed most likely the big time player because that would make sense if he showed up in a limo. He takes his blazer off. Raven, meanwhile, has hopped over the barricade. We go to Black on Hennig, climbing up the steps into the ring, and Hall turning around to ask what Raven thinks he's doing with the cameraman kind of over Raven's shoulder. And that's when we fade to Black. So that's actually a really cool place to end things. Now, of course, dark match way, things were happening. It changed nightly is the thing. I was going to go into what happened here because I kind of did look into it a little bit, but... It depends on which night, because they did this gimmick quite a few times in the last week leading up to having this happen live on Nitro, just to see what would happen with the audience. So sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's the other way. What happened tonight is just irrelevant because it's not even going to pan out as we go forward. So it just doesn't, doesn't matter. They didn't know what to do with Hennig at first is part of the problem. Now, the matches this week were mediocre to good. Promos were reasonably done to build tension leading up to Bash of the Beach. I, I would have liked better matches, obviously. But you don't want to go blow those pay-per-view matches by having good matches on Nitro and then roll the dice that they won't be as good at the pay-per-view. Still, Nitro gets a 3.5 out of 5 at a market radio because it wasn't that good until the last segment, which was just a rinse and repeat of what's been going on for weeks now. And even the announcers are starting to bury that. Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out MarkOutRadio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them. 